You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Giondoletti Jr. If this is your first time here on the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. Before we get into everything, I would just like to thank all of the listeners and supporters of the channel. Um, this podcast audience has tripled in the last two weeks, and that's all because of you guys and your support. Um, so I just encourage you guys to continue to share the podcast with friends, family, whoever it may be, uh, and make sure whatever podcast streaming service you're using, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave the uh, leave a review on the podcast. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on how you feel about the podcast, where we can grow, um, where we can improve, where we can change, because your feedback always matters. But again, before we started, wanted to give a huge shout out to all of you guys and your support, especially of, of late. So if you listened to last episode of the podcast, we talked about how you know, my plan for this offseason in regards to my coverage of the team was going to be that I wasn't going to, you know, look too far ahead into the offseason. You know, I see a lot of people that do mock drafts like every single day, and there's nothing wrong with that. You have freedom to do literally whatever you want. However, for me, as someone who has a podcast and someone who, you know, really wants to be right or be accurate and give you guys good information, you know, for me, when I do mock drafts, it's not just for fun, although they are fun. But when I do mock drafts and I come out and I give you guys information on, you know, who I want us to sign, uh, who I want us to take in the draft. You know, I'm serious about that stuff. It's who I think we will sign. It's to give you guys accurate information or assessment on on the needs of the team and, you know, who I think will be available for us to sign. And the last thing I want to do is come on here and waste everyone's time and say, you know, I, I, I want you know, I'm going to do a mock draft and I have us taking this guy or, you know, I have us signing this player in free agency when you know, two weeks from now, someone may be tagged in free agency. And so I got my hopes up. I got everyone's hopes up, you know, or with a mock draft, you know, I may come out right now and say, I want this tackle or this wide receiver or this linebacker. And then in free agency, we go out and address that need. So again, to make a long story short, because I've kind of gone on a tangent here, I want to make sure that on the podcast, I'm not getting ahead of myself. And so I'm going to strategically plan out when and what I talk about in this offseason. And that starts today. Today is going to be the first uh, podcast with offseason material when it pertains to players. And so let's just talk about free agency. Okay, so with free agency, in my opinion, there's always three phases to free agency. Number one. And this is, in my opinion, in order to to build a sustainable winner, you have to be able to sign, keep, 
or let go of the good and bad players on your team. Okay, like in free agency, obviously, it's not just about getting other people from other teams, but it's about keeping guys on your team that you want that are free agents, Um, extending players who, you know, you maybe don't want to wait until they're free agents. And then last but not least, you know, getting rid of players that may be holding your team back. The second phase of that would be tagging. Okay, this happens, you know, more often than not around a week or so before the free agent market opens. And that, to me, is probably one of the biggest components of free agency because, you know, I can remember not so long ago last year when I wanted certain players in free agency, but they ended up getting tagged by their teams, right? And when that happens, you can't really do anything about it. So that's the second phase that I'm going to be talking about in the future, And then last but not least, I'm going to be talking about once all of that is settled, I know who's been tagged and who hasn't, I'll give you guys my who I want in free agency um, podcast. So these podcasts are going to kind of be separated once a week, I would say, because I'm trying to think how far away we are from free agency. Let's see. Today is currently the 23rd of February, which means we are... What is that? Three weeks away from free agency. So as I talked about, there's three phases to free agency. I'll probably do one podcast per week in regards to free agent talk. And then the others I'll try to fit in, you know, maybe a fun podcast, uh, something, you know, maybe a guest here and there. But let's get into the first phase that I talked about with free agency. And that's what this podcast is going to be centered around. So today, we're going to be talking about players on the team, just strictly the Miami Dolphins, no other team, and we're going to be going over which players I think the Dolphins should cut, re-sign, extend, or tag, okay? And that's simply, really that has to do with the two, the the first two phases of free agency, but we'll do a whole nother podcast on like which players I want that could potentially be tagged. And I might fit that in with, you know, players that I want in free agency. But let's just start off solely with the Dolphins, because as I said, if you want to build a consistent winner in the NFL, you have to be able to have consistency in your own roster. You can't just be, you know, letting all your free agents walk You can't just be keeping on to bad players that may be holding your team back. And so if you look, the good teams, you know, the ones that are consistently good in the NFL have a balance of we know which players to keep and which players to get rid of. So let's first start off with cap space, because most things that you do in free agency are going to be 100 percent impacted by the cap space that you do or don't have. So the Dolphins. Um, and I'm using over the cap right now. The Dolphins are projected to be like at 60 million in cap space. Now, this number is going to vary by a couple million up or down. I would say somewhere between 60 and 65 is where we're talking, you know, a good range of, of the Dolphins cap space that we're going to have. Now, before I can talk about players that I want the Dolphins to keep, I think we need to first minimize and and talk about players that we can save money with by cutting that aren't really that impactful on the team. Okay, and I have let's see how many players I have 
big name guys that I think we can get rid of and save a good amount of change. Let's see. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have nine players. It would have been more pleasing to have 10, but I only I only have nine for you. And without further ado, let's get into it. So as I said, we started at $60 million in cap space. And so I'm going to go through a list of players that I think the Dolphins should cut to save money. And we'll talk about how much money we end up saving. So the first player that I think the Dolphins could get rid of, and again, I'm not going to predict on here that they will get rid of them because, you know, I, I've kind of learned like, uh, unless I have info on something, I don't want to get into the predicting game because the last thing I want to do is, is lead you guys off. You know, I don't want you guys to be led astray and think this player is going to stay or get cut. I'm just talking about if I were the GM, what I would do. So the first player I would cut is Jesse Davis. Um, I don't really think I need to explain that, but if I do, long story short, he sucks, right? I mean, if you watch Dolphins football in 2021, I'm sure they're like Jesse Davis at times made me want to like quit watching football, not just Dolphins, but like quit watching football. He was so bad. Um, I'm not really sure how. If you're a head coach, you can say you're trying to win while putting Jesse Davis at right tackle for 17 games of the 18-game season. But nonetheless, guys, Jesse Davis is just not good. Not only is he not good, he's getting up there in age. Not only is he getting up there in age, but he doesn't fit the scheme, you know, the the zone-blocking scheme that we're going to have here on offense. And on top of that, he's a $3.6 million cap savings. So if the Dolphins cut him, we can save $3.5 million, which obviously it's not $10 million, it's not this crazy high number, but as you'll start to see when I start cutting people, those little numbers, those three and a half, four and a half, start to add up, and you'll see the impact that it'll have. So first guy cut on the team would be Jesse Davis, in my opinion. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. I would go as far to say, like, I think that will happen. You know, I will say that, like, I don't think there's any chance that Jesse Davis makes this roster or even makes it past like, I don't even know. I don't think he'll even make it to free agency when free agency begins. I think he'll be cut before that. Next up, this is kind of a shocker maybe to some people, but Eric Rowe. Eric Rowe is a $4.5 million cap saving. Okay. The reason why I'm cutting him is for a couple reasons. Number one, he's a Flores guy. Okay. And whether you agree with it or not. We saw with someone like Gerald Alexander, if you're a Flores guy, you're someone who thinks like him, you're someone who is close with him, someone that he got along with, you're out of here. So Eric Rowe, I know for a fact from talking to people that he is one of the guys in the locker room that was kind of like, you know, the teacher's pet with Brian Flores. On top of that, he's 30 years old, right? So he's not getting any younger. And typically with positions like that, where you're being asked to cover tight ends, you need speed, you need athleticism. The older you get in the NFL, the 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 more you're going to see a drop off in production. And in 2021, we did see a drop off in production from Eric Rowe. Not only that, but we did see, you know, Brandon Jones, he, he was having a little bit more of a role. And I think that based off of Brandon Jones kind of getting better every year that he's been on the team and the fact that Eric Rowe, again, $4.5 million you could save, he's getting older and he's a Flores guy, I think they'll probably end up parting ways with him, which I don't really have anything bad to say about Eric Rowe. Like, it's not a Jesse Davis type of cut for me. I I, I really liked Eric Rowe, in fact. I thought he was a good player. I thought he did what most players 
safeties for the Dolphins haven't ever been able to do, which is cover tight ends. However, again, when you factor in that he was a Flores guy, he's getting older, and Brandon Jones is starting to take more of a prominent role in the defense, I think you'll probably see Eric Rowe um, not on the team. So those two right there, that's you know $8 million in savings. Okay, Next guy to cut, Adam Butler. Adam Butler is a defensive tackle. And the reason I'm cutting him is just because, I mean, he's a backup. And when you have Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer, and Christian Wilkins all healthy, which was a majority of last season after Raekwon came back, I mean, is Adam Butler really that important? Especially for the $4.1 million savings that you could have from cutting him. You know, in my opinion, you could easily get a guy in the, you know, in the later tier of free agency, someone for one, two million dollars, maybe even draft someone in the later rounds. Um, whoever that may be, I really just I don't think Adam Butler is worth four point one million dollars, you know. Um, and so with with having Christian Wilkins, Raquan Davis, and Zach Sealer, you know, I, I think Adam Butler should be cut. Uh, and again, that's another four million. So now with all of that. We are at $12.2 million saved just by cutting those three players. Okay. Next up, Clayton Fedulum. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to be respectful because at the end of the day, like they're football players, they're professional athletes. I'm just a guy on a podcast. Um, but like, I don't really know why he's on the team. If I'm being quite honest, like, Clayton Fedulum, the, the the best he's done here is he's had like two fourth down punt conversions. And if you cut him, you can save $2.7 million. And again, as I said, with all these guys, it's not a lot of money. But, you know, if we cut him, now we're talking about $15 million. Okay, $15 million is almost the price of a wide receiver, or it's the price of signing Emmanuel Ogba, which we'll talk about. It's the price of having a center and half of a guard contract, you know, like $15 million is a lot. And it's these type of players, these $3 million savings that you can make where you have to ask yourself, $3 million is going to get me closer to signing a really good player. Do I really need Clayton Fedulum or can I get someone for way cheaper to do literally the exact same thing? So Clayton Fedulum, to me, I thought they were going to cut him last year. If you remember my podcast last year, I was like, I think they'll cut Clayton Fedulum. I think he was about the same type of cat hit, like cap hit, like two and a half to three million. And so I think this is the year again, they part ways with him. I don't really think he's that needed. And so with that, we are now at $15 million in savings and cap money. Okay. Next up, Miles Gaskin. I know. Uh, Miles Gaskin, to me, I have nothing negative to say about him. And the reason for that is I understand he's not the best running back out there. I understand that. I know he's not an RB1, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for players who come in with nothing and get everything that they, that they seek. Miles Gaskin came in as a sixth round pick. That's hard. To come in as a sixth round pick and have a prominent starting role on a team for almost two years, that's impressive. However, he is a two and a half million dollar cap savings. And when you have players on your team like Savan Ahmed, you have players on your team like Lindsey and Johnson, one of which, one of those three I have us keeping, you know, I don't 
I don't really think you're needed for two and a half million. On top of that, I don't really think he fits the scheme. If I'm going to have that zone type of runner, I'd much rather go with a Savan Ahmed or Philip Lindsay. And one of those three that I talked about, Johnson, Lindsay, and Ahmed, I think the Dolphins will keep, possibly two of them. But Miles Gaskin, I think this is the end of the road for him, uh, which, again, I have nothing negative to say. It's just business. It's just me saying I would cut him and save two and a half million. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, Miles Gaskin, <clears throat> excuse me, Miles Gaskin would be the next guy that I would cut. Next up, another two and a half million dollars in savings, Seathan Carter. Um, you know, we, we can talk about his role on the team as a tight end or coming in motion as a fullback. But at the end of the day, I think in this system, if you're going to go with the fullback, you're going to go more with a traditional fullback. And as far as tight end, you know, we have four on the team right now. Hunter Long, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, and Mike Kosicki. Now, obviously, Mike and Durham um, are both free agents. Actually, now that I think about it, is Adam Shaheen a free agent? I, I have to see. I I didn't see him on the list, um, but I'm trying to see. Is Adam Shaheen a free No, didn't they just give him a contract extension? Yeah. So Adam Shaheen's not a free agent. So Mike Kosicki and... Uh, Durham Smythe are both free agents. You have Adam Shaheen and Hunter Long already on the team in contract. And so you don't really need to keep him. Like if you decide to move on from Mike Kosicki, then you can find someone else in the draft or in free agency. That's, you know, not even free agency, probably in the draft later on. But I don't really think, again, two and a half million for Seathan Carter, not really needed because at best he's going to be a third string tight end on this team. He's not going to be a prominent fullback because in this scheme that Mike McDaniel is going to run, you need a actual fullback, not like a tight end who plays fullback. So Seathan Carter. And then the last three that I'd cut, I don't really need to talk about them that much. Calvin Munson, uh, $1 million savings. He Every time he's on the field, I see him get a penalty. Like he was good in preseason for one play. I think he got an interception or something, but like he never has any impact on the team during the regular season. Solomon Kinley, he's a backup. He was a, what was it? Fourth round pick two years ago, and he doesn't fit the scheme at all. He has trouble pulling and in the screen game, and that's huge in, in, in a zone blocking scheme. So like, I don't know what the purpose of having him would be. And then Adam Pankey, uh, you know, again, like backup guy. I don't think he fits the scheme. I think they'll probably move on from him. And so with all of those savings, the Dolphins now go from $60 million in cap space to 83. Real quick, I am recording this after the fact because I went back in my notes and I completely skipped over Alan Hearns, um, which goes to show why the Dolphins don't need him because I completely forgot he was even on the team. If the Dolphins cut Alan Hearns, they would save $2.5 million in cap space. And so... You know, with that being said, the Dolphins would go from 60 million in cap space to 85 and a half million in cap space. And I believe that after I talk about all of the signings and tags that the Dolphins should make, we end up with 52 million. But just know that number is probably 55 million. So, quick correction I'm recording this after the fact. Forgot Alan Hearns. The Dolphins should cut him. Not sure how he's even on the team still. And if they do, million in savings, meaning a jump from 60 million to now 85 and a half. Okay, that's a significant difference. $23 million is enough to get 
you know, we'll talk about a couple of players in a little bit of of how that 23 really impacts us. But, you know, I know none of those guys are big cap savings. They're not like the Devontae Parkers, you know, who's like eight million dollars. But players like that, again, with Devontae Parker, I would probably keep them because Devontae Parker is so cheap. Like, I, I don't see someone who at their peak, at their prime, could give you what Devontae Parker gives you for only like $8 million. Now, would I be shocked if they moved off of moved off of Devontae Parker? Not at all. And I'm pretty sure if they move off of him, they save... Um, I'm pretty sure... Actually, if they move off him, they only save $3.3 million. So, like, you need to ask yourself, is cutting Devontae Parker worth $3 million? I don't think it is. I know he's injured, but Devontae Parker at $3.3 million is better than saving 3.3 and getting what? So, you know, um, those those amount of cap savings add up. And now the Dolphins, again, in my projection, go from 60 to $83 million in cap space. So now, with that being said, let's talk about players on the team that I think we should either re-sign, extend, or tag. The first person that I think we need to e- extend and uh, restructure their contract, and this is someone who, you know, I've heard from on Twitter and people that I talk to that Xavier Howard is going to want a restructure on his contract. He's going to probably be requesting about $5 million more per year. And it when it comes to players on the Dolphins that need to stay on the team, he is number one, in my opinion. He's the best player on your team, okay? By the end of next year, maybe Jalen Waddle might be, but Xavier Howard's the best player on your team. And guess what? If paying him $5 million more is going to keep the best player on your team, you bet your ass that I want to do that. So right now, I believe Xavier Howard is like, he's only supposed to get like $6 million in guarantees, but his contract is $12 million. So... My projection is just give him a one year because I only think they'll probably keep him for one more year, but put him on a like extend him for one more year. Give him 17 million fully guaranteed because on the books that only impacts you, I think, by like four or five million. It's not like this huge, crazy cap casualty, like just give him five million more a year. Make him the highest paid player on the team. Make it fully guaranteed because I know that's what he cares about. And keep the best player on your team. He's the key to the defense. We have to keep him. Um, And so that would be the first thing I do. The first person I sign, extend, whatever, on the team is Xavier Howard. Next up, another big name, Emmanuel Ogba. In my opinion, Emmanuel Ogba should be on the team. I'm not sure what he'll command. I've heard it's in the ballpark of 13 to 15 per year. Okay? And... Based off of how I feel about Jalen Phillips, where I feel like he's going to take a significant leap forward next year. If you can have him and Agba on each side and Jalen Phillips can be that edge rusher we know he can be. Now we're cooking. Now we're cooking with gas. Okay. And so Emmanuel Agba, what I would do, give him a three year, $42 million deal. That's an average of 14 a year. Give him 35 guaranteed which is an average of about 12 per year. And for $14 million, again, you keep you know, a very good player on your team, someone who has a huge impact in the game, not only in pressures, but in batted passes especially. And I think Emmanuel Ogba, again, someone who isn't injured a lot, 
comes in, works hard. Uh, you never hear peep from as far as negativity or anything. Uh, a guy who brings energy every game. And again, with the added presence of Jalen Phillips in year two, it would be great to have someone on the opposite side to compliment him. So Emmanuel Agba, I would give him a three-year, $42 million deal, 35 of it fully guaranteed. So again, if you're talking fully guaranteed, he's getting $12 million a year. If you're talking actually, he's getting 14. That's not that bad, guys. That's really not that bad for one of the best defensive players you have. Next up, sticking on the defense, Nick Needham. Nick Needham is a kind of like a Miles Gaskin to me. So much respect for him. Unrestricted free agent, didn't get drafted. Came in, is now a starting nickel and a very good starting nickel at that. To me, you give him a three-year, $12 million deal. Now, I'm not quite sure if that'll be enough. I think it would. You know, if you gave him a three-year, $12 million and, and, you know, made it just like, I don't know, what, $8 million guaranteed his first two years, give him $4 million a year. And again, you don't have to worry about that position. Try to keep your defense as intact as possible because the defense is... Um, what I think they'll be relying on a lot this year with all the changes to the offense. So Nick Needham, again, yeah, you could let him walk and not give him $4 million a year, but why? Why mess with your secondary, especially now that you have Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan on the team as coaches? Uh, yeah, I want to see what they can do with Nick Needham or Xavier Howard or Byron Jones or Javon Holland and Brandon Jones. So Nick Needham is the next guy I'd keep three years, $12 million deal. Now switching to the offense, because those are the only players on defense I would resign. I'm not I'm not doing a Landon Roberts. He was a flow guy. I know there's other guys out there. Those are the only three on defense I'm keeping. And then on offense, these are the three players I'm keeping. And then one of them is a tag. So the person I'm tagging and this idea um, I heard it from Neil Driscoll, so I just want to say that right now. This is not my original thought or idea. I'm, I'm bringing it up because I heard Neil Driscoll talk about it, and it sparked my curiosity, and I think it's a really good idea. So what Neil was saying is put a second-round tender on Mike Kosicki, and if you don't know what a, a second-round tender is, what it basically means is if the Dolphins put a second-round tender on him, then they have the option to match any offer he gets in free agency. If they do, so for instance, say they offer or say he, they place a second round tender on him, the Tennessee Titans come out and offer 14 to 15 million dollars per year for him. If the Dolphins are like, no, nope, we're good, we don't want to pay him that, you can have him, then the Tennessee Titans have to give us a second round pick for Gasicki. However, the, the luxury to a, a second round tender is that you now, worst case scenario, if you lose him, get a second round pick, which is what you gave for him. The gamble, though, with the second round tender is if you place it on Mike Kosicki, you now run the risk of like, what if a team doesn't give an offer for him? Then you have to give an offer for him and you have to sign him and tag him. So I think Mike Kosicki will be heavily sought after and hats off and, and shout out to Neil again. This was Neil Driscoll's idea and a great idea at that. Put a second round tender on him. And again, worst case scenario, if he's gone, you get a second round pick for him, which I'd be very happy with. 
uh, and, you know, best case scenario, you at least get to match the offer. So if you see the market for him or if he sees the market's not that good for him, then you get him for cheaper. So Magisicki's the one player on the Dolphins I would tag and with a second round tender. Then the other players on offense, there's three players on offense that I would sign. Durham Smythe, Philip Lindsay, and Matt Collins. Durham Smythe, why would I sign him? Well, to be honest with you guys, he's the most complete tight end on our roster. I can't talk about Hunter Long because I didn't see him. I think he's probably better than we think. I think a lot of that was because of Flores. But he's the most complete tight end on our roster. He's not elite at anything, but he's not going to command a lot of money. You can easily sign him for two years, $8 million fully guaranteed. Give him $4 million per year. After two years, this year, and then maybe next year again as a backup, you cut him. Or if next year you don't want him, you cut him and take the $4 million loss. But Durham Smythe is a guy that I think gives you a lot of value in the Mike McDaniel offense. He's the most complete tight end on our roster, TBD, until we see Hunter Long, actually. But Durham Smythe, I think he's only going to command four to five a year. And I think if you offer him two years, $8 million fully guaranteed, I think he would hop on that easily. Not having to move, staying on this team, uh, you know, especially if Gesicki leaves, having a more prominent role. Yeah, I think he would do that. And then um, Philip Lindsay and Matt Collins. So Philip Lindsay, I'm only keeping for a year. And the reason I'm keeping him for only a year, I'd give him one year, $3 million fully guaranteed. And the reason for that is because I think he fits the scheme really well with Mike McDaniel's offense coming from Denver. Um, so I think he would be a perfect fit in this offense, but mainly the reason I'm keeping him is because I think the Dolphins will draft a running back. And if you can have a mentor and a veteran like Philip Lindsay to kind of guide you, I think that would be tremendous for whoever we get, whether it's a first, second or third round pick, you know, having a veteran like Philip Lindsay, who's good in the scheme and has been there, done that. I think that would be tremendous experience to have for a young running back. Um, and then speaking of the Mike Kosicki thing with the second round tender, you know, if you give a second, if a team is wanting Mike Kosicki and they give you a second round pick for him, you can now use that on possibly a running back. If you don't want to do a first round pick, um, on a running back at 29, Hey, you can use that second round pick for a running back, or you can combine that and something else and trade up in the first round. Who knows? But Philip Lindsay, as far as just running backs, I think they will add one in the draft. And I think Philip Lindsay, again, when talking about Duke Johnson, Savan Ahmed, and Philip Lindsay, he's the running back I would keep because of his scheme fit and because of his, uh, you know, his leadership and his experience for grooming that next running back. As far as Savan Ahmed, the reason I passed on him is because, um, I mean, the 49ers already passed on him, you know. So even though technically I think he'd be a great fit because he came from the 49ers, if they already passed on him and Mike McDaniel was in charge of the running game, then why would he suddenly want him now? So out of those three guys, the guy I'm keeping is Philip Lindsay for his experience and his scheme fit. And then last but not least, Matt Collins. I'm a huge Matt Collins dude. Like he's one of the best gunners in the NFL. He should have had way more starting role on the offense. He's great at blocking obviously with special teams background. He is a phenomenal phys physical wide receiver that fits, um, again, the, the type of scheme that we're going to be running here. Good in the running game. 
Um, similar to Devontae Parker has that type of skill set where he's a big bodied wide receiver who can go up and get the ball. He's not going to cost you a lot. I have them signing him for a three year, $12 million deal. And again, Matt Collins is pretty young and you keep him on the team for three years. He's going to be phenomenal at special teams. That's the main reason I don't want to get rid of him is because he's a phenomenal gunner, one of the top in the NFL. And on top of that, you could easily argue that he's more, he's the most reliable wide receiver aside from Jalen Waddle on the team. So Matt Collins, three year, $12 million deal. So guys, in conclusion, right? Like I'm writing an essay in conclusion, players I'm cutting. We start off with $60 million in cap space. I'm cutting Eric Rowe for four and a half mil, Jesse Davis, three and a half, Adam Butler for four, Clayton Fedulum for 2.7, Miles Gaskin and Seathan Carter for two and a half a pop. Calvin Munson for one million, Solomon Kinley and Adam Pankey for seven and nine hundred thousand respectively. In total, with all the savings, we go from sixty to eighty-three million dollars in cap space. Next up, as far as players, I'm going to resign. I'm restructuring Xavier Howard's contract and giving him five million more a year, seventeen million fully guaranteed. I'm giving Agba three years, forty-two million, thirty-five of it guaranteed. Nick Needham three years, twelve million. Durham Smythe, two years, eight million. Philip Lindsay, one years, one year, three million. Matt Collins, three years, twelve million. And then I'm placing a second round tender on Mike Kosicki because I think a team will want him, and I don't want to lose him for nothing. So, you you put a second round tender on him. A team offers fifteen million a year. Dolphins will probably pass. I don't know. I'm not saying I don't want Mike Kosicki. I'm just saying that's what I think could probably happen. And then you get a second round pick for him, which is what you gave up for him in the first place. After all of that, after we sign all of those players and cut all of those players, the Dolphins would head into actual free agency when it comes to signing other players on other teams. We'd head into free agency with $52.2 million in cap, which I think is a very good amount. That that gives you about... 40 to 45 million dollars to play with and then on top of that you might get rid of other guys here and there throughout the process but that gives you about 52 million dollars in cap space heading into free agency which i think is a really good number so that's what i would do guys those are the players i would cut keep extend tag whatever you want to call it and you know, I, I'm going to be really curious. I'm going to be really curious to see which players they keep on this team, not necessarily cut because, you know, I think they're going to cut players because they want to save money to build the offensive line. But I'm really curious to see who they resign. You know, I'm curious to see if Agba and Howard stay, you know, because, again, I talked to you. Reason went on Finside the NFL, said he was hearing that Howard wanted five million more a year because Boyer staying. Agba wants 14 to 15 now per year because he's staying, because Boyer's staying. Um, I'm curious to see if they keep Mike Kosicki or not. I think that's probably one of the biggest things people are talking about is will the Dolphins keep Mike Kosicki or not? And then I'm just curious to see, again, like the other guys, like the Nick Needhams, the Durham Smythes, the Mac Collins. I hope all those guys stay on the team. And I think Philip Lindsay, again, if you're if you're going to go get a running back in the draft, which I think they will, not sure when, but I think they will. Philip Lindsay would be a phenomenal mentor for whoever that is. So there you have it, guys. Again, check mark next to first 
phase of free agency. Again, I'm not getting too ahead of myself. Just focusing right now on players on the team that I think we should get rid of or keep. Those are my guys. Curious to see what your thoughts are on it for sure. And I'm curious to see what the Dolphins thoughts are and and what they're going to do. We're we're rapidly approaching the free agency period and um, I'm really excited. Next episode or not next episode because next episode it might not be free agency related. But the next free agency video I do, I'll probably, I don't know, I might, you know what I I might do? I might do two free agency, two more free agency podcast episodes. I think the first one, what I'll do is I'll talk about other players on other teams. We'll talk about guys I want and if they might be tagged. And probably what I'll do is I'll do one more episode like the day before free agency starts once everyone's been tagged. So that's what I'll probably do um, because I don't want to, again, like I don't want you guys to wait a long time. I'll just do, do two different episodes. I'll do one before tagging happens and one after tagging happens to kind of reassess if, you know, say a player I wanted was already signed or tagged. So that's it, guys. That's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you next time here on the Finn Sports Football Podcast. Have a great day. Stay safe. Finn's up. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.